Hi guys, welcome to Cosmic Corner Podcast and uh, this week I had the privilege of interviewing the wonderful Yana Nightingale. Um, Yana is a self-development teacher who spent the last decade guiding individuals around the world towards greater awareness, purpose and soul. Her work is about coming into contact with all of who we are, going beyond being identified with our busy thinking mind and reconnecting with our body emotions, our intuition, imagination and our soul. Her invitation is to return to knowing our deepest, most essential self. I really hope you enjoy this podcast guys, I got so much from it. So tell me more about your knowing superpower, what does that look and feel like for you? Okay, so firstly Chantel, the the thing I want to say about the phrase knowing superpower is the fact that this definitely isn't a superpower that just applies to me or people who have kind of got my bound. It's very much a superpower I think we all have access to. And actually the way that I think it would be most uh, helpful and accessible to answer this question is what it felt like for me before I felt in touch with my knowing in my everyday life. So when we aren't in touch with our knowing, the way that I know that this feels from my experience is like not having access to who you are. In every decision you make, feeling like you're going round in circles, trying to figure out what the answer is or asking all the people around you for the guidance rather than asking yourself. It's like not having a sense of any solid ground under your feet, feeling like you're constantly finding yourself in these loops of anxiety, self-doubt, feeling really more about things and just not knowing where to turn. So that's, that's how it feels when, in my experience, I haven't had access to my knowing and by contrast when have it feels like you are you just know where you are you know who you are you know what the right direction is for you it's like a sat nav that's one of the the best ways I think of um, describing it and for me personally I still have to do lots of things to make sure that this channel stays open so it's not like you discover it one day and then it's like, boom, every single day I know who I am and what I wanna do and everything is clear. It takes kind of constant discipline and work and making sure you are in a, in a kind of positive state where you can take on the various challenges in your life. Um, but whereas I used to feel more into with, um, or not in touch with, but much more aware of my mind, um, I would, make decisions based on um, kind of my, my head. I wouldn't feel very in touch with my body. In contrast, when I'm in touch with my knowing, there's this instant feeling in my whole body. Like it's very embodied sense that there is a yes. And my whole body lights up and says, this is what is the right direction for you. It doesn't feel like a kind of bark which is what my mind sounds like it's much more like a gentle nudge it's soft and it's it sort of returns you know so if you don't listen to it the first time it will come back and it will come back and it's not necessarily the easiest option that your knowing presents you with but every time in my life I can give countless examples and I know so many others that say the same when you follow that knowing when you follow that direction it will lead you in the right place for you It's like having your soul being able to speak to you and telling you this is what you need to do. 
So that's a kind of roundabout way of talking about it, but it helps me, I think, to think about the contrast in that way, to kind of say, this is what it feels like when, when it's not in play, and this is what it is. Yeah, I can really identify with that. I definitely know when I'm not in touch. Um, you mentioned that it was a discipline almost to like keep that channel open. So what are the things that you, you do to, to sort of keep that um, connection? Yeah, well, in terms of my um, background, one of the things that I've spent the last decade doing is teaching people about mental health. And in my mental health training, it's been a real journey of discovery and learning about some of the most sort of fundamental foundations that you can put into place to make sure that you are just in a place of, of steady sort of wellness. So it's, it's the real basics, like making sure you're sleeping enough, eating well, getting hydrated, um, making sure you've, you've got enough natural light and you're moving your body. So every time I'm feeling a bit tired, distracted, unfocused, I sort of say to myself, is this because I haven't had enough water today? Is it because I didn't get enough sleep? And it just, it helps to really contextualize sort of what might be going on if you're feeling a bit out of it and feeling not quite like yourself. So that I would say for anybody is like just the basics, taking care of the, the sort of day-to-day. Um, -day. But on top of that, for me, one of my doorways into my knowing is nature, for sure. And since I have been in the countryside, I did the classic thing, had a baby, moved out of London, went to the countryside. Um, nowadays, I feel so much more connected to myself, to who I am, to my purpose, to other people, because every day I'm out in nature. And one of the things that gets me into that space is mindful practice within nature. So really connecting with my, my feet, where they make contact with the earth, being aware of my five senses, all of that just helps to ground me. And if there's one thing that I think we all need to remind ourselves to do, especially in a global pandemic where every day there might be new things coming our way, it's grounding, grounding, grounding. Like how do you come back to the ground? How do you come back into your body? Notice where you are. Like these things don't necessarily have to be cosmic spiritual things, you know, with, mm. with inverted commas around them. It's actually about coming back into the present. Um, and from that place, you're able to access this much deeper, wider, more expansive understanding of who you are. But you have to be in reality first. Like that for me is, is one of the doorways. Yeah, I really, um, I love nature. So I get a lot from that. I get a lot from the, um, the idea of connecting with something bigger than myself um, and just finding it really um, holds me as well. And I can kind of discern in that when I'm grounded, what you're saying is, is where something feels a bit off. But I like that phrase that you use, steady wellness, because it's, it feels like it's definitely, um, you know, almost like a bank that we deposit into, you know, taking care of the, the everyday, you know, like essential things. Um, but then on top of that, having the kind of, you know, looking at your mind and your emotions, um, especially in this, this um, pandemic, that's, that's definitely mm -hmm. something that uh, I think a lot of people have struggled with, really, because it's been such a, a test and a change as well on people's um, uh, mental health. Um, have you found that in your own work, the way that you work with clients now? Have you found that's changed or has anything changed for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, just 
going back to what you were saying there for a second around the um, the impact of, of the pandemic on all of this, I think one of the things here is that there was a, a bit of research I, I came across last week that said um, of, of the people that were surveyed, and there were a lot of people surveyed that were working from home at the current time, uh, were basically asked, you know, have you felt at some stage in the last few months in sort of lockdown, post lockdown, and then lockdown again, that there have been moments where you've been overwhelmed to the extent that you feel like you can't cope. And 74% of people, that's nearly three quarters of the people they surveyed said yes, like at least once have I felt so overwhelmed that I can't cope. So one of the things I'm noticing when I'm teaching groups and when I'm sort of in my um, sessions day to day in, in various forms is people are struggling with the, the pace of the day to day, with the intense change and the, the level of uncertainty. And I think one of the themes that really came through with my, um, what I'm affectionately calling my beta course with a group of six women I worked with in my um, teaching work at yonanightingale.com, we, we just finished a course called Know Yourself, Change Your Life. And these women were just telling me about the, the level of need they felt for coming together as a group to ground together, to go through this journey of exploring who we are now after this period of such intensity that we've all gone through. And I think there's need on one level, but there's also like just a kind of urgency in people being able to reflect because things are changing so quickly but having that moment to just go, wait a minute, let me just step back and actually assess all the things that have happened individually and collectively and globally in the last seven, eight months. And um, certainly for me personally, I just started writing a blog post today and I listed all the things that have happened to me since the beginning of March this year. And I actually started laughing looking at the list because it's been everything from a complete change in my career to having my two girls be in my house, to having all of my work go online. And obviously with not having physical limitations, you can teach way more in one day because you're not having to move around. Um, to obviously seeing friends and family a lot less. Like I just kept listing, 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 listing. And for me personally, for my sanity, for my sense of being able to connect to that knowing, there have needed to be a lot more things in place over this time to get that sense of connection simply because of all of the noise and movement on the surface of our lives right now. So I think many women, many people that I'm, I'm speaking to are telling me the exact same thing that they're like, what is 2020? Like, what is this time? You know, like we've all, we've all experienced this sea change on such a scale. Um, and I think we will, we will see many, many, uh positives of this time in in the sort of months years to come but right now we're still very much in that sort of moment of crisis versus opportunity like where is the opportunity in all of this crisis because it has been the most intense year of my life for sure and many people i'm speaking to are saying the same Oh, I so identify. I was. Uh, it's been so intense, and and I might do that exercise actually. Look at everything that's changed since March. <laughs> uh, I think that would really help me. But it's that. Um, yeah, it's it's. There's so much change, and just to hear, not taking comfort in other people's um, overwhelm. But I've definitely had 
points of overwhelm myself. So I think what you said about there just be, need to be much more grounding, really, or knowing in a time when there's so much on the surface. That's a really nice way of putting it, um, and, and it really resonated with me. Um, uh, yeah, so I read um, a story on your uh, or a blog on your website, and uh, I, w- I wondered if you could share with us the story behind your logo. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. It's, um, it's one of those things where, I don't know about you, but for me, symbols really, really speak to me. And mm. over the last few years, there have been various symbols that have just shown up that have just resonated with me again and again. And this is one of those symbols. So the symbol that I chose for my logo is, um, there are loads of ways of describing it. One of the most simple ways is the Venn diagram. So two circles that meet mm. with a kind of extra um, kind of meeting point where where they come together. Um, another uh, sort of label for it is a vesica Pisces is, is another definition. And yeah, another one that I came across is a mandala. And it's it's all speaking to this kind of ancient sacred symbol, the idea of the meeting of um, two worlds, if you like. And at their meeting point, there is a kind of third new creation. So The story behind where this came into my life was one of my um, teachers on my counseling training. I did a three year psychosynthesis counseling training at the Psychosynthesis Trust in London Bridge. And one of our incredible teachers, he was this um, guy who we all sort of adopted as our honorary grandfather, basically. (laughs) He used to teach, but he was also telling stories and he was just the most inspiring guy. And he'd have us like crying and laughing within the space of of a few minutes. Like it was that kind of figure. Anyway, he, on one of our weekends, explained how when you are in this process of of counselling and this kind of deep, raw, naked intimacy, that this is the point at which you can kind of create this meeting of these worlds together as a counsellor and a client where something new can emerge, you know, a new potential, a new possibility. And for me, it's such a beautiful image of transformation and change and self-development that you can think of it as the meeting of your individual circle with another. You can think of it as the meeting of your inner light and your darkness or your inner masculine and feminine, your inner sort of um, material and spiritual meeting. There's just so much richness in it for me. And um, I guess where, where I feel it's really relevant to the work I'm doing um, with my, with my uh, business now is that it's about this where we as, as sort of individuals and humans meet with our, our bigger awareness of who we are. Mm-hmm. So often I think that image can be quite transcendent that we sort of go out of ourselves in order to become who we are. But I, I'm really passionate about turning that on its head that actually it's about grounding here's that word once again but I do love it like grounding in who we are connecting with our foundations so that we can really belong to ourselves and and come home to who we are Um, to me that's where that symbol just feels really powerful God, that is so powerful. And also just when you said about coming home to yourself that's one of my on my website one of my like places is is this um almost like tagline is, is the idea of returning to yourself. Um, you know, so much of it is, um, so much I think of what we suffer with is just a disconnection from self. And it's that having that really poor relationship with self as well. Um, 
because it's never really like taught or nurtured. Um, I mean, I certainly wasn't, I didn't grow up in a household where like, a relationship with myself was, was, a, in, was something that was, you know, brought to a conversation table. Do you know what a table, brought to a table as a conversation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, which brings mm-hmm. me actually on to my next, door, uh, next question, which is, so why do you believe we struggle as a society to connect with our our knowing um which you say everyone can tap into which is really just what we we get as the source don't we like i write about how as babies we are we are like in that source of connected to that source of love and then throughout life that kind of slowly you know gets cut off i think yeah absolutely i i think to be honest when it comes to why we struggle as a society i think conditioning is something that we're born into. So like you say, we're born in that state of a really deep connection to who we are. And then as we grow up and we learn and we understand what the kind of cultural, social norms are around us, as well as you know the norms of our family, the, the norms of our school, the norms of any space that we enter, we sort of get into this, um, what was the phrase? One of my teachers I loved, he talked about a consensus reality that we, oh, we sort yeah. of subscribe to what is the consensus reality here and how do I fit into that by way mm. of survival? Now, that's not necessarily conscious, but as a survival strategy, we all, as we're growing up, need to learn what do I need to do to survive? This is part of our story for everyone. That's like what, you know, one of our, our paths that we go on. So I think... The conditioning that we tend to take as our consensus reality is about coming out of that knowing of ourselves, actually. What we tend to learn in our schools, in our universities, a lot of the time, is about how to grow the mind. So you develop this this kind of mental capacity in lots of different directions. Um, And one of my teachers spoke about this image of all of us as if we have dragon heads and snake bodies, which I just think is such a beautiful way of putting it, that we have these overly developed minds and yet we're barely in touch with our bodies. And when we live from that place, um, we're geared towards using our minds as the kind of seat of our knowledge and and our um, sense of making meaning and making sense of the world but actually the mind has a limit and the mind is fantastic if it's able to work in conjunction with other ways of of sort of um being if you like like if if you have a knowing of yourself on a deeper level the mind can really serve that but if you're only coming from the mind it's like having access to half of who you are And when we're in that place, it's, as you said before, so rightly, you know, it's like we've got complete soul loss. We've got complete disconnection from self. And we see that everywhere. You know, you see it in the number of people that have anxiety and depression. You see it in the fact that we have very obsessive, compulsive behaviors in our societies. The fact that we're in a constant state of distraction and doing and interacting with technology and taking in data and information. And all of that is a kind of key symptom of, of that soul loss that I think we've been conditioned into. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not um, impossible to find that way back. Absolutely not. It's just about opening up the doorway to that knowledge because it's all there. It's just bringing much more awareness and attention to that other route that we can take to know ourselves, which for me is 
it really highlights and balances what our conditioning teaches us about. And rather than always kind of putting our attention outwards, it allows us to bring it inwards too, in a way that can help us to ultimately live from a place of more happiness and, and groundedness, yeah. connection, purpose, you know, what have you. Yeah, because we're so like a productive goal driven society in a way that I think we can't become so your mind can almost become very obsessed with that external goal setting, mm -hmm. reaching those mm -hmm. goals. And then we forget that we're actually there's the mental, emotional, spiritual side of us as well. Um, and that's not that's not really like nurtured. So um, I definitely mm -hmm. felt and I think a lot of my clients have felt like that ex existential doom almost like nothing is really wrong on the surface, but feeling really empty and sort of wandering, you know, um, inwardly. Uh, and again, like highlights that kind of that not feeling grounded in yourself and not really knowing knowing that you're in touch with I think what you said earlier as well, like it will keep coming back to you, the knowing, and it, it kind of gets louder and louder. And as even though you're trying to ignore it, it just becomes, and that's from my own personal experience as well. It just, it doesn't go, you know, it, until you kind of recognize it. And it, exactly what you said, it isn't always the easy, the easy option. Um, you know, no sometimes way. it's like, please no just way. leave me alone. <laughs> I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Um, so how That's does it so true. And it, it will like you know it will find a way to get your attention eventually. Oh yeah, definitely. it's like at my point it's like a screaming <laughs> child at the end, and you're like, okay, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did it feel going back to your knowing and your intuition? Like, was that always? Were you always in touch with that part of yourself? Were there periods of your life where you felt very? you know, untethered from your knowing? Mm, great word, untethered. I think for me, that is absolutely what it felt like. I always, as a child, I remember people um, saying that I was good at kind of understanding things that they hadn't said or picking up on atmospheres, knowing how people felt without them saying it. Like my mum, bless her, she must have just been desperate with this child that was constantly being like, mum, you know, why are you sad? She was doing everything she could do to convince me that everything was all right. And I was there like, you know, I, I see through the bullshit, you know? And, and now that I have a son, I think he's, he's kind of like that too, that he kind of sees, sees through things um, that might be on the surface into mm -hmm. another understanding of what might be going on. And I think all sensitive people have this, that we can sort of look through various layers of what we're seeing and, and connect with maybe what's happening a lot further down than what you see right there in, in somebody's facial expression or their body language or whatever. Um, so certainly I don't think that this is something that's unusual, but I think what is more usual is that we tend to turn away from that because of what I was saying about the conditioning and what you were talking about with mm. that kind of role-oriented society we're in. And the, the journey that is a very common one is we go into what do we need to do to, to kind of um, be part of what's around us rather than really coming into who we are. So for me, the way that that looked, I remember vividly this um, moment. I think I was about 20 years old and I'd I'd sort of done the whole um, achievement thing, you know, getting the straight mm. A's, doing what I thought I needed to do. And it was, it was this, this point at which I was about to finish my course at university. 
and I realized I just had no idea of who I was. Like I'd got to this stage of going, wait a minute, like what happens now? I really don't know what I want in my life. I don't really know what my values are. I didn't have the language for that at the time, but it was just this sense of complete loss and, and, and being um, in the darkness really. And at that moment, I remember this um, phrase that came to me, which is, oh, maybe there isn't such thing as magic. And in that moment, I felt like this complete inner collapse, like on some level in my life, I had always believed that magic existed. And in that moment where I felt like, oh, well, maybe magic doesn't exist. That was, those are four or five years in my life were the most anxious, depressed, burnt out, lost period. Like that was the darkest point in my life. That was my existential crisis. Mm. And interestingly enough, it was coming through that period where I rediscovered what magic was for me, which was actually coming into my intuition, coming into my imagination, coming into my um, passion when it's, you know, thinking about my, my now psychology base and my mindfulness base and my energy healing base, like all of that is what was underneath that existential crisis, just trying to show me where to go. Um, and that was when I rediscovered magic in my definition of magic was actually magic is all around us. You know, it's a very enchanted world. The whole of the universe, in my opinion, is, is there to help us to grow and develop. And that in itself is a magical thing. But when we aren't able to access that, it can be the most painful mm. and most difficult thing that you can experience. That's been my journey. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, my twenties were a shit show to put it on. <laughs> it was it was really existential doom a lot of it was fueled by existential doom and just having absolutely and I, I just and also just having all the straight a's and you know achieving things and I can still slip into that now this kind of okay I'll just achieve this and this and this and then I still am left you know with a, a feeling and I know that's because I've I've not really connected with myself um mm -hmm. but it's so true it's so it's so true that kind of we just can't access it and that really is so deeply painful as well and, and especially from what you said as being a child i was exactly the same very sensitive very hyper vigilant and could pick up mm -hmm. emotions atmospheres um mm -hmm. and it, it kind of it didn't work to my advantage in some ways but in other ways now it's it's really something that's quite powerful in my work but mm -hmm. yeah it's just amazing though to to have such similarity there as well um, well, I, I think this is something that a lot of people share actually on this mm. journey is that sense of something that maybe you thought at some stage was like holding you back. Like, mm. why is it that I can't just go along with everything like loads of other people do, you know? And yeah. then you suddenly realize, wait a minute, however many years, decades down the line, you're like, oh, this is actually a That's wonderful why. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. like it's there all along. I say but it to my um, when you understand it, it becomes yeah. so easy to, to see why it's there because you're meant to be that person. Mm, and I said I said it to someone the other day, it's like you're meant to be awake. You cannot you you can't afford to kind of go onto autopilot or sleep through your life mm -hmm. and it's just not gonna work. And that's exactly the same for me. I couldn't I couldn't sort of tick all the boxes of things 
because mm -hmm. they just they weren't tangible they weren't something that actually meant something to me they weren't it felt yes. wrong in so many on so many yes. levels so yeah. um, but I definitely people saying to me like why can you not just make your life simpler and go along with it and I was like because I, I can't <laughs> so, yeah. yes well it reminds me there's there's a quote I absolutely love um by Donald sorry Neil Donald Walsh okay where he says the struggle ends when the gratitude begins mm. and to me that has been so key to my own understanding has been when I've struggled against my sort of knowing and thought this isn't who I am and this makes me different and this is something that I'm not proud of, that's when I've been in my deep, deepest struggle for sure. And when I've actually allowed what is here and, and kind of gone, okay, wait, this is what's naturally emerging and this is actually the most sort of easy mode of existence because when that knowing comes in and it is instant and it's it's just there in a flash mm. the energy that it takes to cover that up is absolutely phenomenal and then you get for me it was i would get um i would get ill i would get digestive issues i would feel sick i would oh be God, sick the there, were, yeah. there were all these things that would happen because i was desperately trying not to hear my inner voice which was yeah. telling me all sorts of things that actually have led me to where I am now and I'm very very grateful for them so there's that kind of struggle versus gratitude and I think it's a really um, relevant sort of thread in this area yeah and also just how much your body shows up you know in that way I was very much mm. had so many um, digestive issues or just not being well or you know having anxiety you know all of this stuff so yeah it's amazing how it can be all connected as well um, yes. So what is, what do you love most about the work that you do? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I have to say, you know, I was talking earlier about magic and for me, there is a moment of magic when people can access the, the, the sort of knowing in themselves that helps them to step out of their usual identity mm and get that sense of observing themselves. So, for example, something just popped into my mind there. Um, recently, I was, I was doing a kind of more mindfulness-based course with a group of people. And somebody came to the second session, having done a few of the exercises in the first one, just saying, I stopped halfway through an anxious thought loop I had the other day and realized for the first time I have a say in how this goes. I don't yeah. just have to go along with these anxious thought patterns. I can actually do something about it. Yeah. And I remember that peace and freedom that came to me the first time I went, oh my God, I can actually do something here. I can change the, the kind of course that, that my thoughts go on, or I can, I can actually impact my my mental emotional physical spiritual well-being in a in a positive way with something that i do or don't do um, before that like you're saying when you're an automatic pilot the feeling of powerlessness is so mm. intense and so being able to see those moments when people get in touch with that sense of inner freedom and inner power and that feeling of sort of alchemy of whatever it is that their issues have, have been and are that they notice actually I, I can do something here there is something I can transform mm. and it might not happen overnight but just that understanding that 
change is possible. It's just, that's, that's why I do what I do. Yeah, that is, that is like such a rewarding moment as well, I think. Um, just because otherwise I think our minds can just batter us, really. It's just that kind of being pushed around constantly by every thought and emotion um, and, and yeah, being so and attached in it as well. Yeah. Precisely, precisely. And, and it just feels so painful, doesn't it, to be in that oh, place? Oh, God, I yeah. Think so so hard and and as you say the sense of reward um for being able to be a kind of way shower for people in the way that others have been for me and to say you know this is where society is pointing you towards but that isn't necessarily going to help mm. you why don't you have it over here and see if something works over here it, it's like a kind of um it's also a sense of giving back for what lots of others have given to me oh yeah yeah and it is the yeah. road, the, the, I think there is a book called this, but there, it is the road less travelled. It's kind of been, yeah. um, I, I always think with my clients how brave it is that they've come into this work because it's not always um, something they can share with their friends, you know, and maybe their friends aren't in that space, um, you know, because it's not, it's still very much, I think for society in general, it's still seen as uh, maybe a bit of a luxury like therapy and coaching mm -hmm. but you know it's actually such a powerful tool I think to kind of really tap into the fact that you have your own power but you're just not aware of it yet you haven't stepped into it yet it's uh, it's such mm. a yeah it's such a kind of yeah hopefully that's changing I think it, especially what's happened maybe in the past year with 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 everything um that's mm -hmm, something that mm -hmm. seems a bit more of a you know maybe as a necessity almost it's just something to, it's yeah. to get it's a self-awareness you know it gives you that self-awareness which in turn is just so incredible um so i really i think that's that so speaks to so many people that i work with mm. especially in so people that haven't come across this work very much before one of the things i hear so often is that it, it's a selfish thing to yeah. take care yeah, of yeah, yeah me too massively um, and as you say, like it's a luxury, it's, it's this, it's that. But to me, anybody that's going through any level of personal suffering, to think that it's a luxury to bring us out of personal suffering, I just don't, I don't relate to that way of discussing it. Like mm -hmm. any level of personal suffering that can be healed or alleviated, that is a, from where I'm standing, that's a necessity. Like to, to be able to hold our own hands out of that is also about our availability to others, our availability mm. to our work, our availability to our families. That's that's actually a very selfless to do, I believe, because oh, you can give so much of you are when you're able to be okay with yourself. But mm. I think, as you say, it can be seen as like, oh, I'm, I'm just kind of wandering around in this transcendent way, just kind of thinking about some things like to change my life actually on a very sort of real life level these tools are so much more than that when it comes to like paradigm shifts and and people being able to see lives from a completely different angle for themselves and for the ripple Others. effect that has yeah because i them. mean for being um i mean i'm not a parent but it was when i am hopefully one day it is that kind of um actually being able to give those tools to your children or to, for them to be in an environment where they see that their mum 
you know, has a level of self-care, I think is such a huge, like non-verbal lesson, I think, because just to see that, that, you know, you have parents who do care about themselves, but that in turn makes them have a much stronger foundation to care about you as well and, and have space for your emotions and feelings. Um, yeah, and I think it's about containment, you know, when you can contain your own self, when you can self-manage, when mm. you're able to not dump your emotions on other people, mm. when you're able to sort of have a, a strong connection to yourself, you have such a stronger connection to your children and you teach them how to contain themselves. Yeah. Um, if such you a powerful don't have word. that model, yeah. it really, really is. Like, I think so many of us, mm. if we had a better pain, we would be able to do so many more things that would feel a lot more comfortable, you know? Like we yeah. would have a more comfortable relationships with our lives in general if we had that sense of, knowing how to hold so ourselves, contain ourselves. So, so true. I love that word. It's going to be my word of the day. Great one, um, isn't it? Yeah, it's such a, a good word. word. <laughs> containment. <laughs> um, what is a crazy but true fact about you? I love asking guests this one. Oh my God. This is such <laughs> a great question and such a random answer. To I know. It's, bizarre. <laughs> it's so bizarre. So where my mind is going is like my party trick because you okay. know, this, is, this is a very random thing that tends to be um, most easily achieved when I've had a glass or two of red wine. Yeah. And I don't know how I discovered this, but basically uh, we were doing as teenagers some sort of ridiculous impression. And I realized that my um, crazy true fact is that I am like a human Foghorn. I have had a glass of wine. I can make a noise that literally makes me sound like some sort of weird conch shell. Like it's really oh odd and very strange. <laughs> I even have a nickname from one of my best friends that like just calls me conch because like I have this weird, oh, so weird cute. noise that comes from the depths of me. And people just look at me like, is that you? Like, where is that noise coming from? Yeah, so sounds... whether it's like a part of my I'm a past life, a foghorn or something. Who knows? Yeah, maybe uh, in a past life you were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anyone needs to sound yeah. alarm, like a warning bell, that's me. I can make my sound travel for miles and miles. That's, that, is a, that is a crazy but true fact for sure. Um, <laughs> if there's one piece of advice yeah. you would impart on the audience, what would that be? My advice would be, it's possible. And what I mean by that is change a difference to where you are right now, whatever you're experiencing, a change is possible. And following that thought, following that thread can take you into the most incredible territory that you can even imagine. It takes one step at a time. Mm. We don't transform overnight. Change doesn't happen instantly. It's a lifelong journey. But we can know, if we can really sense that change is possible, we bring that into our lives. And transformation that can happen is just extraordinary. I've witnessed it in my own life and I invite you to witness it in yours. Yeah, that's so true. That kind of rich, wild landscape of, um, yeah, just doing the work, really, even though sometimes it's hard. 
great. Thank you so much. Yes. Oh, you're so welcome. You're so welcome. It's been a real, real pleasure. And on that note of courage, you know, of, of how difficult this can be, mm. this is actually one of the things that I'm focusing on in um, version that's coming up in January. So you're the first person I'm telling about this, but on the 9th and 10th of January, I've just launched um, an immersion. It's a half-day virtual and that's called Move Forward in 2021. And it talks about how this journey of, you know, coming into who we are, really um, accessing our deeper knowing of intuition and our body and our emotions, it's, it takes a real bravery to go mm. there. But the value of it, what can come from it, is just so incredibly immense. If you're interested in following that journey, picking up some tools, understanding more about who you are and going into 2021 with that sense of grounding despite the chaos and a sense of more purpose and connected with being connected with lots of inspiring other people on this on this journey together. Um, my um, website is yarnanightingale.com. Um, that's J-A-N-A and Nightingale like the bird. Um, <laughs> and my name. Instagram is... <laughs> Thank you. And my Instagram is Yana.Nightingale. So you can find out lots more there about what I'm doing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Yana. Thank you, Chantal. Really, really lovely to speak to you today. Cheers. As always, guys, if anything resonated with you, please come and visit my website. Um, and also come and find me on Instagram where you can probably find my website a lot easier and just find out how I work and what I do. Um, and I'll be back next week. Thanks, guys.